Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of our Quarantine Pod Season Season One, Episode Two. Uh, back here again. Uh, EJ is here again. EJ, thanks for coming. Thank you. Thank you for your work on the front line, as always. We're trying. Um, hola, thank you for coming on. Thank you for your work behind behind the <laughs> behind the laptop, <laughs> like I'm doing. <laughs> uh, uh, our fingers are suffering, and our backs for sitting down for so long. Yeah, can imagine. <laughs> okay, on this on this episode, uh, we're going to try to switch it up a little bit. Uh, but before I start, I, have to, I always forget to do this. I want to do a quick admin. If you like our content, please follow us on on Twitter, Spooty AD Fantasy. Facebook is Extraordinary Footy Fans. Instagram is Fantasy Footy. We have a YouTube channel also, which is going on. It's called Footy Fantasy. Uh, we also have a podcast also. Uh, um, you can find us on Spotify, anywhere you find your podcast, on Apple. It's called The Footy Fantasy. Footy Fantasy is one word podcast. So, you know, follow us, connect with us, engage with us. We'll start with the quiz first. Then we'll talk about the topic about the follower uh, that's going on currently, um, the thoughts about some clubs putting non-playing staff on follower. Forget for those who don't know that this is pretty much where people are put on. Remind me again, follower is when they are put on like uh, unemployment, right? Um, well, usually the employer. Well, in this case, the employer will keep them working. Okay. The employer won't pay their full wages, so. So what happens is sometimes maybe the government will pay maybe 70%, 80% of the salary and okay. the employer maybe it's like 20%. Um, it depends on the established establishment. Over here in Ireland, I think ours is, um, they have a certain amount of money the government will pay towards the salary and then okay. the employer will maybe pay a little more or not pay at all, depending on how much you're earning normally. So that basically, that's a rough idea. The government will pay your wages while the employer is incentivized to keep you on their payroll. So they don't lay you off when their business is closed. Okay. So, so I think it's, it's a little bit different here. Like if they furlough you here, like it depends on mm-hmm. the company though. But if they furlough you here in America, like you're, you're kind of temporarily laid off until like they can hire you back. So you're not laid off per se, but the idea that is that they will not be paying your salary for a period of time. You will have to go file for unemployment. Unemployment, uh, correct. So that's how yeah. it works. In that's how it is here. So maybe in England, maybe it's closer to Ireland and maybe they have a deal that if they furlough you over there, like these employees, and we'll talk about that, they furlough them, maybe they're getting some kind of compensation from the government. I don't know. Correct, correct. And that's what it is. They're getting compensation from the government and a okay. lot of controversy. People have been angry because obviously that... Uh, money is typically left for people who need it, considering the fact that clubs have most of these clubs, especially EPL clubs to be specific, have the financial means, you know, to, to pay, pay for this to pay for this for a while. And okay. uh, that's one of the things. The other thing we want to talk about is just go back in in history, a bit of nostalgia from this season. You know, this season looks like it's ten years ago, but it was just a couple of weeks ago. I don't ago. remember it. <laughs> it does. So we're trying to say, what what your favorite game? From this current season, it will be interesting to get uh, people's thoughts about that. But we'll start with the quiz. EJ, we have three numbers to pick from. Three sections, soccer, football, depending on where you're watching. Uh, one is from tennis, long tennis to be specific, and general knowledge. So EJ, 
one, two, or three. It doesn't matter. It could be any of them. Like I, okay. What okay, I said so, now, it's not in order. It's just right. you have to choose a random number. Okay, so I pick two. Okay, you pick two. Ola, so you have one and three left. Ola, what do you pick? Uh, I pick one. You pick one. Okay. Yep. I feel like I gave it away. <laughs> Did I you? Like I don't I gave know. It away. Gave it in the numbers of one. It was like, oh, I think I gave it away. <laughs> oh, no, I just, I just, I just picked two. <laughs> yeah, EJ, EJ picked the tennis question. Ola picked oh. a football question. So we'll start with you, EJ, since you picked first. Luckily, it's multiple choice because I, I, these are hard questions, so I have to be okay. multiple choice. Cool. So, EJ, which Russian tennis player was the first to win a Grand Slam in singles in 1996? Okay. So, the, the options are Marat So, this is how we're going to do it. For every question you get, you get two points. Okay. If you don't get it, uh, I, I'm going to time it for, in uh, one minute. Yeah. Maybe. I don't want one minute. If you don't get it, it goes to Ola. If Ola gets it, Ola gets one, one point for bonus. And that's what we do for each. Okay. So, back again, going back to the question. Which Russian tennis player was the first to win a Grand Slam title singles in 96? One, option A, Marat Safin. Option B, Yevgeny Kalfenikov. C, it's Anna Konikova. I think I did well with that one. Uh, D, Maria Sharapova. E, Svetnia Kosnetsova. Kosnetsova. Okay, so I'll repeat the options again, EJ. No, I, I, I heard you, I heard you. I heard you, okay, so what's um, your answer? I think the question is tricky because okay. um, I, I don't know. So okay. by process of elimination, I'm going to go with B. Which is? I have no idea what he just said. I, I don't know his name. <laughs> yeah, you know tell, me the name. tell me the name. He says not Safin. It's B. Whoever, who, who was B? Who was option B? So A was Safin, right? Yeah. Who was B? B was Kafenikov. Uh, Wait, spell Kafenikov, because are you saying the name right? Kafenikov is K-A-F-E-L- N I K O V Kafenikov. Ah, I can put. I, I don't believe it's Safin. Safin would have had to have won at sixteen to be the person. It's not him, so it's B. Okay, final answer B. Yeah, that's my okay. final answer. Correct, correct, EJ. You Process know, elimination. Process elimination. That's good. That's good. Good job. Good job. Good job. Yeah. Okay, two points for EJ. Ola, your question, a soccer question. So you have to know this. You have to. Let me stop, reset. Okay, so question. Which keeper has made the most saves in the EPL ever? Ever. To date. To date, yes. To date. Eight. So the options are, among so which save, so this is the question. So I'm very specific. Which keeper has made the most saves in the EPL to date? Among the options that's given. That doesn't mean that the person is the all-time Saves person. Oh, okay. Okay. A. Ben Foster. B. Peter Check. C. Tim Howard. D. David De Gea. E. Joe Hart. Your time starts. You have one minute. That question is it's I, hard. It's not. It's not that it's hard. 
if you're going to say current players, then why are you putting players that are retired? You know? uh, no, I didn't say current players. I said from the, from the list of players. I didn't say current players. I said from the options to date. Okay. Well, yeah. David, David De Gea is still keeping. So okay. he's going definitely <laughs> probably have more saves than somebody who is retired. Okay. You know? okay. Well, I'll go with... Um, can't be Peter Cech. Peter Cech didn't make that many saves when he was at Chelsea, so it's not Peter Cech. David De Gea has made many, many saves. So United, because their defense is porous. Was porous a few years, yeah, so he had to make many saves. Okay. Howard. No, not Tim Howard. Okay. Last person is Joe Hart or Ben Foster. You know, I'm thinking maybe Ben Foster. Ben Foster has been keeping for a long time. And he keeps for all these relegation teams where he has to make many saves. I, I'll yeah. go with Foster. Okay, and I answer Ben Foster. Correct. A lot. That's a that's that's a, smart, that's, that's a that's smart that's invitation. Actually, he's actually, actually the all-time saves Ben Foster. He saved a thousand one hundred and fifty saves since. Now there's a caveat to that since the Premiership started collecting data for saves, right? On Opta. Yeah, Opta. Opta started in I think 06 or 07. Can't remember when, but one of those times. This is Opta Cycle So, yeah, it's Ben Foster. Good job, guys. Wow. This is impressive. Okay. So, there's a bonus. There's going to be a bonus one. Okay. So, who was the first African-American female astronaut? So, <laughs> it's, it's hard. I said it's hard. <laughs> I said it. A, Wilma Rudolph. B, Claudette Colvin. C, Mary Jane Patterson, D. Phyllis Whitley, and E. Dr. May Jamison. I have no clue. <laughs> Just <laughs> <a> guess. <laughs> I'll go with A. I like her name. Why not? Uma Rudolph. Okay. Hola. Um, I'll go with the doctor. <laughs> <laughs> Very good with pop quizzes there, correct? That's correct. Allah is right. <laughs> Dr. Ben Jemison was the first uh, the first female astronaut. <laughs> uh, I didn't know, but I just said, well, <laughs> it was a guess. It was a guess. It was, I mean, well, that's a good guess. So let's just go to the doctor. <laughs> that's fine. Yes, yeah, you're a true typical Nigerian self who likes titles. Dr. <laughs> Engineer. <laughs> okay, yeah, but... so we go into the questions. That was good. That was a good one. Uh, well, I go into which questions? What about my price? I oh, want your price. <laughs> Premier League trophy, yeah. That's only to me. <laughs> That's what you get. Certification, I'll send you a certification of, of, of participation for Liverpool. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, okay. So, since Allah is the winner of the quiz, I guess to start. You get the honor of starting. What are your thoughts of the whole controversy? I and mean, things that, like we said, things are changing on a daily basis. I mean, yeah. players, so I guess. First, let me know what are your initial thoughts, and then we can delve into the new developments. Um, well, when they first, I think it was Newcastle and Spurs that first did this following, like, oh, okay, we're going to put staff on follow, and we'll take money from the government. And, of course, they got negative publicity. Right. Then Norwich and Bournemouth followed, and then, surprisingly, Liverpool followed, which many of us as Liverpool fans were not happy with that either. And... It's um, it it was it was crazy that they actually did it after seeing the bad publicity Newcastle and Spurs got for doing it. Yeah. So 
that was the most disappointing. I was like, are you people for real? Didn't you see how badly these people got bad publicity based on this thing? And apart from bad publicity, I just felt it was morally wrong. Yeah. It's not legal. Yeah, okay. The, the scheme was there by the UK government for businesses to avail of it. So what Liverpool and Newcastle and Spurs are doing, it's not illegal, but it's, right. it's just morally wrong. Like yeah. you guys, you're turning over big money or you're billionaires. And let's let's get this right. It's not only football clubs that are doing that. So like um, Richard Branson, who is a billionaire, who has many businesses. Some of his staff are also, he, he's also availing of that scheme with some yeah. of his companies. So it's not like it's only football clubs that are doing it, but Liverpool have billionaire owners. Our, our owner is a billionaire. Yeah. So what stops you from dipping a little bit into your own pocket? Even if you say, okay, it's just for a few months, like maybe three right. months. Some people did the calculation. They said, this stuff that you're trying to put on follow, it will have cost the club, it will have saved the club like 2.5 million or something. Very small money. Mm. Yeah. Like, I think that John Eric cannot afford to take 2.5 million from his own pocket. That's why fans were angry. Like, come on, look at Mike Ashley. He's a billionaire. Yeah. Sports, I show I think you know, they, they are owned by a consortium. But Mike Ashley is a billionaire. It you did it. So that's why people got so angry. And well, of course, they reversed the decision on Monday. Yeah. But for me, the, the damage was done. And like I've said some, somewhere else, this is not the first time they've done something like this. Like they will make an unpopular decision. And then when people shout, they'll not backtrack and say, we're sorry. Okay, yes, it's good that you say you're sorry, but don't bother doing the bad thing in the first place. You know, yeah. it's like the tough time as Liverpool owners. Now, I'm not saying they're extremely bad owners. They've done a lot of things good for Liverpool, but yeah. but making decisions like that. So, overall, I'm not limiting this to only Liverpool. I'm just saying clubs who are making a lot of money, who are making profits, who are owned by billionaire owners, yeah. I don't need for you to put your staff, use your use the UK government scheme to put your staff on follow. Why? Why should you? You know, there are smaller, like smaller businesses who are in danger of going out right. of business should be the ones making use of that scheme. So that's yeah. that's what you're on it. That's true. That's a fair point. Uh, EJ, uh, what are I think you said, Yeah, I think you've said it all. I didn't really know much about, you know, the, the especially the money behind, um, the numbers behind these um, these type of incidents. Um, yeah. So, for instance, you, you said 2.5 million would have been what, you know, Liverpool would have saved by furloughing these people and relying on the government. And that's, you know, that's, that's chicken change to these um, clubs. So I think that's that's definitely a fair argument. If I didn't know that number, I may have had a different argument. Um, also, I think the government UK, uh, I mean UK has to take some kind of you know responsibility. Maybe if they set a cap on something, like you know exactly. companies have this limit, and after above that, you can't do you can't participate. Yeah. You know, or like right. a time frame or something, something to stop. Because I mean, if, if people are going to take advantage, if the advantage is there to be taken, so. I think they just have to be, you know, they have to force their hand. The government does, you know. I think as long as you reverse that decision like Liverpool did and maybe hopefully other clubs follow suit, it doesn't seem like they are. But no. if they do... <laughs> yeah, yeah. you trust them, you trust them, they won't do the right thing. Yeah, so, and that, that's unfortunate. But, you know, I think definitely the government needs to probably step in. I mean, they step in everything else. You would think that they would have a little bit more... more um, be less less big corporation friendly. Yeah, yeah, that's interesting. But yeah, yeah. that's my thoughts. It's similar uh, to yours. So, so my thoughts. I agree with what everybody said. But I want to play like devil's advocate. This is a typical devil's advocate guy. Decided to run away from the quiz. <laughs> Who was supposed to be here? He likes to play devil's advocate. So I'll, 
I'll sit in the shoes and play devil's advocate a little bit. First, I guess my question is, how much did Liverpool make? Because I know the old argument is like, oh, Liverpool made uh, the highest amount of profit. How much did they make? Uh, it was 43 million. And to be honest, 43 million, it's easy for that money to... I understand the point. I'll, I'll let you make your point. I understand yeah. the point about the profit. Okay, that yeah. profit, it's not like that money sitting there in the account. Correct, correct. You know, that's correct. different thing. But, so, but I'll, say, I'll just quickly finish based on my point that I said. I'm not saying that the club should have... I'm talking about John Henry, the owner himself. Okay, I agree. That was where I was going to go to. That's where I was going to go to because all these billionaire owners, they try to see the club. And I'm sure there are legal people advise them of things like this. They, like, they try to separate themselves. You know, as a separate entity and the club as a separate entity. So, and what I've, when I started diving a lot into financials of football clubs is football clubs, their major assets, apart from like, you know, the facilities and the building, is, is the players, right? Like they have, like those are their assets. From a profit standpoint, margins, their margins are not, as, are not as big. So, football clubs, in comparison to like Richard Branson, like you said, those kind of corporations, they are not really big corporations when it comes to, when, when it comes to, Revenue, they are kind of almost getting big. When it comes to profit margins, they don't make that much money. They really don't. I mean, I think that if I remember last last year, Manchester United's total profit, which is usually one of the biggest, was like eight something million. You know, that's that, 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 that's what we made the whole of. And out of that something million, the Glazers, you know, the and the, and the keys take out like twenty something million dollars. Oh, so what's okay. left? Like, yeah, oh yeah, they take it out every year. They take out their, their yearly dividends. They pay themselves about twenty million. So what's left like 60 to 50 to play around with. So coming from a Liverpool standpoint, to play devil's advocate, I I understand slightly, slightly. If you remove the moral ethics and I want to be ruthless and be a business person, yeah. I understand why they were like, oh, this is an opportunity. Okay, let's take advantage of it. You know, but when you now put the moral part of football, the service, football being the fact that it's supposed to be like a social, it's supposed to be like social organization. That's what they were developed to be. Yes, it's absolutely wrong to even do that in the first place. Now, go to you know, Mike Ashley and Dana Levy. I don't think we've talked enough about them, especially Daniel Levy. Yeah. I think Daniel Levy, now maybe, maybe I'm slightly deviated. I don't want to chase this rabbit too much. I'll just make some of my points. I think Daniel Levy, for all the good work he's done with Spurs, because if you remember, if you remember where Spurs started from financially, like all the good work is done last 15 years, where they were to build their own stadium now. Now they're among the top six, you know, in the big boys in the Premiership. They're among the top 10, top 15 now financially. He has done so much good work to put sports to where they are. I think that Levy is in danger of gradually like ruining all his good work. Because I'm hearing rumors. The rumors are him and the family he represents, the Joe Lewis family. I think Joe Lewis is the majority owner that they want to sell. These are the rumors. Those are rumors, unconfirmed rumors. I'm not confirming anything. That it looks like he wants to sell. Because some of his decisions, going back, again, I'm not trying to chase too much. Right? Going back to firing uh, Pochettino, okay, that's fine. He was underperforming for what he was doing. But then you now go to a manager who you know will not work within your restraints of your, <laughs> your financial budget. And you know he's going to it's going to lead to like a, a like a, a showdown with you and him. It just personally didn't make any sense to me going for Pochettino to that type of manager when you know you have limitations budget-wise, you know. So they're now doing this and it'll be calls for them to reverse it. He's not even addressing it. I think when he's trying to address it, he was making some nasty comments like, oh, would you rather if I 
if I employ this um, non-playing staff to go and get, work in my garden. But it's just like, what? Yeah, like, he did those comments recently. Did that wow. Yeah, that's what it's, he said. It's not backing down. It's not backing down. Interesting. Yeah. So I think, yeah, I think football clubs are in danger of because what they're not seeing, in my opinion, it's just my personal opinion with this COVID, is there's going to be a behavioral change. We're fans now. Fans know they're more important. Fans also know that, yes, we love football. We crave football. We crave to be back there watching the games and all of that. But I think there, there could be a, there's a slight danger where fans might start pushing back based on. And the pushing back is, okay, this ticket price is, why am I paying 100 and something pounds? Like, like there'll be, there might be a drop in mm-hmm. post-COVID. In the amount of people like who, who renew season ticket, who right. pack the stadiums, if clubs are not careful, the way they manage, you know, they manage this whole situation with the players, with the fans, and decisions that they make, I think yeah. some clubs. What happened with um, Liverpool two, two or three years ago? This this same owner, um, they, they increased the ticket price to seven seven pounds, and Liverpool fans were like, ah, "Are you are you for real?" They worked so out, they, right? They worked, they worked out. out. Worked yeah. out and, Within, within the next couple of days after Liverpool fans walked out, they, they just reversed the decision. They're like, oh, we're so sorry, we're so sorry. It's like they're always trying to push their limit and see, let's see how far we can push them. Maybe they, yeah. uh, let's, they won't talk. And maybe they just shout and they, and they get negative publicity. They just back down and say, oh, okay, we're sorry. We, we didn't mean to do that. They, they wanted to increase ticket prices. And th- that's why I agree with Ayo that eventually football fans will start pushing back. It's not just Liverpool. Liverpool. My United fans have been protesting against the Glazers for ages. Arsenal yeah. fans have been protesting against Cronkey. There will come a time when fans will be like, enough is enough. And, and when fans, like, I think one of the things that actually um, forwarded the exit of Wenger was when stadiums started getting empty. That's when they were like, yeah. oh, well, well, these fans are not coming to watch the match again. Because the owners know, okay, maybe going to the match is not going to be a big part of the income they make, but the merchandising, the look, yeah. Yeah. the pop always matters to them. They always want to yeah. the stadium is full, the fans are happy. It's a good look. The market yeah. that, you know, so immediately the fans start staying away, they'll be like, okay, well, we have to take action. So, yeah. absolutely. Uh, the image, so for, from your standpoint, now piggyback on what you said. I mean, I was in, in Manchester United, I was live, I was in Ultra for, for the game against Burnley. The game, the, like the whole stadium was so pissed, they were annoyed, they were singing, you know, unheard of type songs against the Glazers, born the Glazers, things that, you know, yeah, yeah, it was that, it was that bad. It was really, people were pissed. And just because of that, I was televised on national TV because I didn't know that was a Wednesday night game, everybody saw it, and how heated it got in the stadium, plus, I mean, the thing that they, when they went to, uh, what's his name, Edward's house, which yeah. obviously I, I don't approve of, but... All of that culminating, it made them rush and they fast forwarded the, the signing of uh, Fernandez. They were not going to do it. Right. If, or at least they would have waited till the final day. They were not going to do it. That, that yeah. was what's going to happen. If that did not happen, they were not going to do it. They were just going to play it out. But the season was threatened to spiral out of control based on like the attitude of the fans and the performance, even on the pitch at that time. So I agree. Fans, you know, fans pushing can change, can make, can change a lot. So. Uh, I guess we'll end it with uh, something more, less, something less serious, something more you can look back to, to for football. I, I thought you wanted to talk about the wages, about player wages and things like that, about asking oh. players to take thoughts. That's yeah. true. That's true. That's true. I, really, I, really, I, I kind of almost skipped that. Okay. So these are my quick thoughts. I'll start with my own quick thoughts about it. Absolutely do not agree with it. I, I know the players have released something. I don't know. 
If any of you have read it, I'll let both of you. Whoever has read it, we can talk about that. I haven't really read it to uh, speak about it. But obviously, when it came out, was it last week? I was totally against it, just because I could see where the end goal was. Taking players to take, you know, take pay cut, which obviously will improve the bottom line of the clubs, and they can still reduce the amount of heat they take from this reduced revenue they are missing. And at the end of the day, the the amount that gets to NHS will be, I think, slightly reduced in comparison if it goes directly from the players directly to you know the NHS and uh, in the end, yeah. So, so, so that, was, let me ask a quick question: the thirty percent that the um, clubs were trying to take, were they planning to give it to the NHS, or were they just trying to improve their bottom line? They were trying. Okay, um, uh, in answer to that question, I was I was going to raise another point when yeah. we we're talking about following uh, clubs follow um, putting staff on follow. The reality is, like I said also, football clubs, many of them don't actually even make big profit. Many of them make losses. Yeah. So many clubs, many clubs, the smaller clubs are in big trouble now, like Burnley, all those Norwich, because there's no money coming in, but they're still yeah. having to pay their staff and all the other things. Ah, so these clubs, that's why I know the banter is, oh, okay, they don't cancel the season, so Liverpool doesn't win the league. But all these people with the banter they are doing, it has serious financial implications. If the season does right. not end, all these clubs have to pay close to a billion pounds back, although right. a billion pounds because Sky and BT, who sponsor the Premier League, are going to ask for that money back. Um, like, so, so the 20 Premier League clubs will lose close to a billion pounds, and many of them are already struggling as it is. They're struggling yeah. because there's no money coming in. Yeah. So, so in that case, where the money is not coming in, and that's why they're now begging the players that, okay, if you take a 30% pay cut, that means we can save some money. Instead of giving you your full salary, we're paying you only 70% yeah. salary. But now I understand why the players are coming from. The players are like, okay, instead of doing that, we will organize by ourselves, which is what they've done today now. They said, we'll organize by ourselves. We will do a players together initiative and we'll just pay that money. We'll pay. Don't force us. Don't force us to take Let us pay what we want to the NHS directly. Don't okay. be telling yeah. 30% pay cut. So that's where it comes in because the clubs are saying, oh, we want to improve our bottom line. We're making losses. Now, there was one statement I saw on Sky News before we started. One of the players, I think it was a lawyer, he was saying um, in the last year, Premier League clubs made £258 million in profits or something like that. They yeah. made all that profit and they didn't share it with the players. But now, <laughs> Premier League clubs are struggling. Now, you don't want the players to take pay cut. That's exactly right. what said. Interesting. Quoted it. Yeah, so you see, you see the, the... And what makes it annoying for the players is the um, health secretary in the UK started calling out the players and saying, oh, look at all the Premier League players. You're millionaires. You're not paying money. What, right. what are you talking about? You're a politician. Yeah. You guys didn't do your own job properly. And right. next, keep goating the players. That's yes. why it's... Why is keeping... Are they the only millionaires in the country? What about the billionaires? Okay, what about other sports that Anthony Joshua, um, Tyson Fury, they made 30 yeah. million pounds on their fight. Uh, Lewis Hamilton, why are you not calling those ones out? Yeah. They're not calling out the players. Why, why are footballers always the easy scapegoats? There are other yeah. people billions, you're not calling them out. And yeah. you yeah. do your own job properly. You don't do your own job properly. People are dying and now you don't want to start scapegoating the players. So that's my own take on the issue. Yeah. Uh, I, I agree. I absolutely agree. I'm always pro players. I always think uh, players are. I've always been easy target. Most times I'm pro players. I'm only. I'm only against the player when the player degrades himself. The players are professional. Once he doesn't do any of those things, right. I'm always pro players because clubs. I always. I always go back to that. I, I always say they get away with murder. A lot of times they do because they can hide under the umbrella. And when I say clubs, I don't mean club as 
maybe Liverpool, Manchester, Arsenal, is the people running the club. They hide right. under the umbrella of, oh, back your club, support your club, exactly. and make wrong decisions and hurt players. And players can't fight back. And they play players in bad image in the public that, oh, this player, sometimes, not all times, sometimes, some players, you know, we have cases like Neymar, Ben Arfa, valid cases of players who degrade themselves. I, I don't support that. But there are sometimes that players, they turn players against, you know, fans and all of that. Against the players. Them in, yeah, I put that. But who, who is, where, is that, where are the people running the club? Who puts them accountable? Nobody. Because they hide behind Liverpool, Manchester United, Arsenal made a decision. No, you made a decision in the name of Manchester and you make bad decisions sometimes and nobody calls them out. So that's why. That's, those are my thoughts. EJ, any closing thoughts about the no, I just, I, I, I've never, I don't believe in them taking pay cuts. I, I didn't even know half the issues behind it. So, yeah. and I, my reason is that, you know, and again, I don't, I'm not, I'm not attuned to the financials of these um, football teams, but I guess like, for instance, Ozil makes 350K a week. So yeah. that's 350K a week every, every week of the year, right? Even when he doesn't play. Correct. And we, we anticipate that. I, I mean, so. the idea, yeah, right. I, unless... Unless they don't pay them for some weeks. No, no, I think every week of the year. Every week of the year. Okay. 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 So, like, if these players are, if we're expecting them to finish the season at some point, you know, then they're still going to play the same number of games. Unless we have an abbreviated season, which we've not yet talked about, then they're going to be able to, they're going to play the same 38 games, which they would have played last year, and you would have paid them every week of the year. So my, I don't know what the rationale would be apart from, you know, you want to save money for your club and it's okay yeah. for you to ask. Um, but yeah, I would never have agreed with them mandating it. Um, or even, even, yeah, even like guilt tripping the players into donating anything. You know, that's a personal decision. And I saw a lot of players be feeling like they were guilt tripped. Like right. kind of like you donate money. Uh, why aren't you donating? You make all this million. Or even Aaron Ramsey donated 10,000 um, pounds. And people were still calling him out. They're like, upon the 400,000 um, pounds you make a week, you can only give 10,000 pounds. You know, like, everyone has their, they have their um, opinions about this. And I think, you know, people have to, they part with what money they want to part with. But they have to yes. earn the money that they're allowed to earn. They have a contract, you know. So, I, I just, it didn't sit well with me. But even now, uh, after what you guys have said, like, I, it definitely doesn't sit well with me anymore. <laughs> absolutely. So I, I mean, there, there, there was something that um, Troy Dini, sorry to cut you off, EJ. There's something sorry. Troy Dini said, uh, this is the United stand. I mean, a lot of it was United's talk, but it was like five to three, three to five minutes where it touched on all of this. You know, if I can find that clip, maybe that particular segment, I'll send it to you guys. Troy Dini, I, so I like getting opinions of footballers on like, you know, sensitive issues like this, especially, especially active footballers, because, you know, you have pundits, Sometimes they have to have their own agenda because of where they are. There's fans, fans to have to have their own agenda because obviously they're trying to sell the product. You know, they are ex-managers who have to defend, you know, so that, but having someone who is playing currently, you know, in an active club, say, touch on some of those sensitive topics. I mean, I think that was refreshing. Anyways, EJ, you can finish your points. I think I, I feel like I cut you off. Uh, no, that's it. Okay. Um, I think this was uh, fun and we end with something um, more interesting, I guess. Um, so, EJ, we'll start with you. Yeah, I think it's more interesting. What was yeah. your best... Uh, EJ, tell us what was your best uh, game of the season. Because this is my not end. It might, it might come back so far. Let's just do what so far. What was All your right. best game of the season so far? And um, why? Okay. It wasn't an easy question because I had to think about like, which game did I enjoy. Because like, yeah. it's been it's been a long... You know, I've not watched football in like weeks. Anyway... <laughs> 
<laughs> so it's let's go. I thought you were going to throw us uh, throw self choker. You didn't even do that. No, no, no. Let's, <laughs> not yet. Let's. I'm gonna go with Arsenal United two zero. That was good. Uh, on New Year's Day. Oh, I'll tell um, you. Uh, yeah. Obviously, you know, we didn't have. I, I could have picked another club and another game. I think I like Norwich and Man City when because it's back to back. You know, goals after goal. And City, um, Norwich just beat City and it was so unexpected. It was very exciting. Okay. But I think I like... The reason I, I chose Arsenal and United is because, obviously, you guys know, the day I see Arsenal beat United is always the happiest day of my life, usually. Okay. Um, and it was almost not... Even though I, I felt like we could do it... I understand, you know, we understand why. We understand yeah. why. Yeah, so like, you guys get like, it. You know, that ex, uh, you know, <laughs> you're like, that ex, when you see your ex always do well... Anything that anytime your ex falls down or something like bad happens to your ex, you're always looking for that because you know your ex is just doing well, just you know, living you his best life. That well, it's okay. <laughs> but living our best life, but it's okay. You are doing you're doing okay. Uh, uh Arteta, one of Arteta's earlier games, I think, and you know, we had just lost at Chelsea um fairly, in my opinion, which they have they, have, <laughs> they haven't suffered yet for what they did to us that day. But um and then we come and it's like, you know. We're at home. We played our hearts out that day. I started playing well. I started playing us that day. I agree. That was like a, that was a, if if you guys had more clinical forwards, like maybe if Lacazette was Lacazette played that day. Did he play? Yeah. If Lacazette was more clinical, you know, forward or better form, let me use that word. Or even Obama Yang, if he didn't have to defend on the left something, I think that was the day that we we played really badly. You guys should have probably scored more goals, in my opinion. It's pretty really bad in that game. Uh, Ola. Okay. Well, for me, the the question was not really about the best game, about which one did I enjoy the most. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's really and of course, so it's going to be a Liverpool answer. Sorry. That's <laughs> <laughs> fine. I'm, I'm not going to say I enjoyed Man United winning a match or Arsenal winning a match. Yeah, I just, that's fine, that's fine. I'm going to surprise you. My, my choice to surprise you, actually. Go ahead. Uh, the match I enjoyed. Well, yeah, like EJ yeah. mentioned, the, the Norwich Man City game was fantastic, actually. I enjoyed that match. But, well, the Liverpool match I enjoyed most was the one um, straight after coming back from Dubai. After the Club World Championship, we had to play against Leicester. And it was first oh. as a second. It was first as a second. And everybody, okay. like, um, uh, for me, I thought it was going to be a tough match because I thought all the way to Dubai, how to play. I to... bet straight as TAA. I bet yeah. that destroyed my fantasy. All I know is that's what destroyed. <laughs> I was, me and Allah were neck and neck. I went and bet TAA. I bet you with that game. I'll never, oh, I'll never forgive myself. <laughs> I'm not myself for that. Yeah, it was it was fantastic that game. That was the first yeah. day I, I actually, honestly, I knew he's great, but you know, he's good, good kid. But I never paid attention to that game. I was like, what is going on? Like, why yeah. is this game feeling like he's on steroids? I think he had 22 points in fantasy. That 23, yeah, 22 or something. Yeah. Oh, crazy. But, yeah, it was, for, for, for many Liverpool fans, that's when they started thinking, well, this, this might be the season, but until Corona came. But, yeah, <laughs> that, match, that match was when we were like, wow. This, they were beating the second, the team were in second place, and we smashed them 4-0 in their own place. And it could have been... Because it was like from minutes one to 90 minutes, we totally dominated them. And it was Brendan Rogers. Now, I don't, I don't hate Brendan I like, I like Brendan Rogers, but, you know, he's former manager and was already making out. And it was like, mm, yeah, we're going to show Liverpool and all that. Well, we just put him in his place, put Leicester in their place. And then I think the gap went. I, I think the next day, 
Man City lost to Wolves. So that's when the gap now became, started becoming big. Man City lost to Wolves either the, the same day or the next day. So I really enjoyed that game. It was my favorite game of the season. because that, just that like, was the December game, right? That was in December again. It was in December, yeah. So there yeah. were packed a bunch of games around that period. That's why I enjoyed it because um, I was with the family, uh, with my sister and her family and everybody. I think we watched it over and uh, I think we watched it over there because it was, I think it was December 26th or something. It was around Christmas anyway. It was Boxing Day game. I think I remember. I remember watching it home too with like, people here and I was just like, wow, what is this? <laughs> and I was just uh, shouting. I I'm like, and people were like, what's going on? I said, my fantasy, my fantasy. <laughs> I was just, yeah. I was mad. I was really mad because I made that call. Because I, ah, yeah, let me take, it. let me bench it. He would do one. <laughs> so anyway. I said, and it go. <laughs> what a pity. Yeah. I missed out. I, I did, I did, I did. It's okay. Hopefully, it can end so that we can null and void fantasy too. <laughs> well, that's something we have to talk about. I don't know how we're going to do the fantasy thing. I don't know. It's ah, just, yeah. What do you? I'm not, <laughs> I'll, I'll call lawyer for you, man. <laughs> Okay, so mine is an interesting one. It's probably slightly controversial. I'm not trying to be controversial. I'm just being honest. I'm not trying to, like, you know, panda. The Liverpool Atletico game, I really enjoyed that game. I did enjoy it because the standard of football I saw in that game, probably the only game, the standard of football, the level of intensity for, of that game. I know, I know I think I posted something about it when the game was going on. I was watching that game at work, no volume. This is no volume on, but I could feel the intensity in my seat. I'm like, damn. <laughs> and I started watching, I think two or second half when I was leaving, I put it on my phone and I was driving. And I could feel the intensity of that game without, without watching it. It was so, that game was super intense. So it was not just intense, the quality, you know, tactically, I could see like what was going on. I, I, I enjoyed the game. I could see like a contrasting style of play, you know, Atletico tried to defend, sit deep trying to play dark arts football, Liverpool trying to attack, press them, pin them in positions, move the defence around. So I enjoyed the game. Especially, you know, again, you had to go, because you couldn't see that coming. It looked like one-way traffic up up until what, extra time when those mistakes happened and Atletico got confidence and started coming out yeah. and they won that game. I think that game was very, was a tactical masterclass. Just seeing contrasting style of football. Although I think Liverpool were very unlucky. You know, they should have won that game. They were... If they were clinical, like anywhere like themselves, they were won that game easily. I think they should have because it's not like Atletico defended beauty. This wasn't like yeah. the first like where they defended like very well. So there were yeah. chances that Liverpool should have taken. I think, mm. Mm. but the game was very interesting to me. I, 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 I just quickly refer to one word, uh, I, well, one podcast like that. Somebody was saying, "Oh, people always say tactical masterclass only for defensive performances. Why don't Why don't they praise Pep Guardiola, for example, for if they if Man City win five 0 they never say, "Oh, that was a tactical masterclass by Pep Guardiola." But it's only when somebody's playing defensive football they say, "Oh, Mourinho tactical masterclass." Yeah, they usually, yeah, I think so that's true. That's true. Yeah, it should work both ways, you know. If, if, it should. If, I agree if, with you. It should. If, it should work both ways, but yeah, I'm I'm not calling you out for using it. I'm just saying I've I've just um I'm just amused by people Correct. saying Correct. By and that's why I said both ways. That's why I said both ways. Yeah. And if you see my comments, then I was praising both. If I was praising Liverpool more during the game yeah. because I was seeing what Klopp was doing, like pinning them, moving them around. Like he had length on the first leg and he was opening them up, but it just bad decisions, last minute bad decisions. Salah, poor finishing. Yeah, poor finishing. Yeah, they should have won that game easily. I think the second one that comes close for me is the City Madrid game. I really enjoyed that one too. That game was very, that one was like super, super tactical too. 
You know, mm -hmm. like that was. I didn't, I didn't know you were including games from other like other competitions. So do you mean like any football game? Yeah, yeah, that's what I said. Anyway, yeah, okay. yeah, whatever football okay. game that you saw last this past season. For me, those are the two my my two most enjoyable games that gotcha. I, I have seen. Is because I felt like this. I mean, because the Premiership was just kind of a one-way traffic this season. You yeah. know, I mean, yeah. If, if you're not a Liverpool fan, you're just like, nah. <laughs> the inevitable is about to happen. I mean, which is fine. It's still, I mean, I'm not dogging Liverpool, but that's how it felt this season. Yeah. Like, a lot of the top four teams. Excitement. Yeah, there's not much excitement. All that people. Yeah. <laughs> and funny enough, even even though you guys, Liverpool, you guys, and City are our biggest rivals. The season before, I enjoyed it. I told everybody, I, me, I was enjoying it. The fact that it was going to the last day, I enjoyed it because it felt like there was something to look forward to, you know? Yeah. I, I did enjoy it. I, I'm just speaking. I'm, a, I, I'm happy being a lone wolf here. I've told a lot of other Manchester United fans who always try to come for me. I'm very happy being a lone wolf. I enjoyed it being a football fan. There was something to look forward to. It was intense to the last day because we're not going to get that every time. What we get most times is what is this season. This season is yeah. what we get most times. Do we really get this kind of thing? This no, no, like, no. Yeah, I yeah. understand. No, not to this level. This I is too much. Yeah, yeah. What I'm trying to say is this is too much. <laughs> it feels complete. What I'm trying to say is what you typically happens, we get to February, March. Yeah, yeah. Someone February. breaks away. One thing, one thing is there like 10 points. That's what's been happening for like the yeah. last yeah, exactly. yeah. most times. Yeah. This is the first yeah. time. This isn't yeah. before. Was the first time. This isn't before the first time in a long time that we went to the last day. Yeah. Yeah, the previous season that was the Aguero season when both of you guys, Man United and City, went to the final day. Yeah, it's true. What are you saying is true. You don't get final day finishes yeah. from yeah. two often. That's it doesn't happen often. Yeah, the closest that, that would have happened in between since the Aguero of 2012 was this Leicester, Leicester, when Leicester won it, Leicester, Leicester, I thought now. Yeah, I think they still want. And that was that was still far. It was still a little bit far, further out. Yeah, it was like two or three games to the to the end. That and that was just mathematics, because we still finished on top of uh, Tottenham. Correct. That's true. That's true. That was mathematically. Yeah. Because they collapsed. They collapsed. Yeah, they collapsed. They collapsed. Yeah. That's true. Well, yeah, yeah. Well, we look forward to the season coming back. Uh, I think this was fun, guys. Uh, if you are watching this again, uh, we have to do the admin at the end, as we always do. Follow us. Uh, this will be this will come out on YouTube. The audio version will be on Spotify. On YouTube, you can find us um, Footy Fantasy on the Spotify or anywhere you find your podcast where the audio version will be on. It's called the Footy Fantasy. Footy Footy is spelled F double O T I E. Everything will be at the end of the podcast. So watch out for all the addresses. You can find us on Twitter Footy Fantasy. You know, sometimes I'm on there. You know, always trolling. You know, you can come at me if you can, if you want. <laughs> uh, you can find us on Facebook. Uh, our Facebook page is active. Website, you know, we'll try to put some of some content. I, I'm thinking of writing some articles, you know, during this downtime. You know, just some old old school articles just to uh, pick people's interest. Uh, EJ, well, this was fun. Thanks for coming on. As always. Um, hola. Thanks for coming. No problem. Enjoy, everyone. I know you have to go to sleep now, so. <laughs> much needed sleep. <laughs> yeah, much needed. Hey, guys, thanks for coming. Uh, right. Watch out for our next one. All right. <laughs>